Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle. Elliot Danka, Bharati Jagdish, and Ryan Huang. It is time now for Why It Matters. And since it's the start of the month, it matters because we're going to look back at the month of September with a good friend of ours, David Kuo, the co founder of The Smart Investor. David, sir, good morning. How are you? I'm very good, Elliot. How are you? <laughs> very good. Let's do the usual and uh, go around the room and talk about you know what stood out for us for the month of September. Starting off with our newest member, Bharati Jagdish. What stood out for you? Ah, what stood out for me? The vaccinated travel lane to Germany, actually, oh. specifically. Because my partner has relatives in Germany. We're yes, all very yes, close. Yes. And uh, once this was announced and it started getting in motion, I was like, yay, finally, I might just get to see them. But they haven't been vaccinated over there, so too oh, bad. Okay. Still waiting, still mm. waiting. 50, 50% there. 50% the way there. Mm. Ryan, what about you? Mine was mooncakes. Why? So, because you receive a lot, right? I received a lot. And this is interesting for me because I use it as a bit of an indicator of business confidence. So what happened this year was I received much more than last year. So it's really reflective of how businesses are more willing in that sense to spend on these you know, expensive gifts, so to speak. In fact, I got one very, rather interesting version. It's a mooncake box with a Bluetooth speaker integrated into it. So you can upcycle it and use it as a stereo headset. So it's Mm. Well, I'm mooncake, glad that so. businesses are businesses are taking these steps to get more media coverage from Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Why, why Ryan? Man? Check out my Instagram for all the pictures. What about us, sir? Huh? Yeah, we can give it to you too. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ryan. Okay, for me, it's football-related. Cristiano Ronaldo signing for Manchester United. And I know David will have a comment about that. David! <laughs> you should have come to Chelsea earlier. Oh, <laughs> what stood out for you, man? Uh, well, well, for me, believe it or not, it's a rather selfish thing, selfish thing, Elliot. I went to the UK, and I went to see my publisher, and I took in my new book, and he read it, and he said, fantastic. Yep, we're going to be publishing it. So for me, it is my first ever book to be published. When's it going to be published? Uh, well, as soon as I sign on the doctor line and as soon as we talk some money, how much they're going to be paying me. And then hopefully within the next month or so, who knows? Uh, David, I must say that was a very deft plug for your book. Yeah, very, very <laughs> deftly done. Very you adroit. Know me. You know, you know, uh, yes, of course, well I've known you for years. Yeah. <laughs> OK, so I've what's the title of the book? Does uh, it have a title? title? Book is, OK, your t- the title of the book is Your Path to Salary Independence. And salary independence is not the same as financial independence. It is when you become independent of your salary so that you can decide at any point in time whether you want to work or not. If you want to work, you can continue to work. If you don't want to work, you can draw on this pot of money. And so literally, it just gives you a lot of independence. So basically, a very liberated feeling. Yeah. How to be David Kaur. (laughs) <laughs> I think that's a better title, no, David. I, 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 I am not that big-headed, Elliot, but uh, as, as you all well know, I am salary independent. I can work if I want to, and I just do whatever I want, and I just want everybody to be in that position where they can choose when and where and how they want to work. 
Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, we'll we'll check back with you when that book gets published. For now, though, let's talk about how September was the worst month for the S&P 500 this year. You've got fears mounting about slowing economic growth. We're already in September, right? Elevated inflation, supply chain bottlenecks, we're seeing it. Global energy crunch, regulatory risks from China. Winter is coming indeed. Should we be worried about October? What's on top of your worry list? Okay, well, I, I think, Elliot, you have to put things into some kind of perspective. I mean, we've had a pretty good 2021 so far, and it is quite understandable if there are investors out there who think that I've already made enough money so far, and let's take some money off the table and then cruise into the end of the year. It's really no different to a football club that's got enough points. Why do they want to beat themselves up for the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, they've already done enough, and so therefore they just start cruising. So I think it's a bit like that at the moment. Sure, there are lots of worries out there, but one thing I've learned over my decades of investing at the edge is that investors like to worry about something. The market has to worry about something. And right now we have quite a lot of things to worry about, but eventually it will sort itself out. I mean, the one thing you didn't talk about was, of course, the debt ceiling over in America. Mm. I mean, that, that one comes around all the time. But when, when you've been around the, the block as many years, as, well, as many times as I have, you just take a lot of these things with a pinch of salt because you know that things will get sorted out eventually. And inflation, okay, inflation's a bit on the high side, but I remember a time when inflation was double digits at the end. It was around sort of 12%. And the interest on my mortgage at that time was 15%. So I don't think we're anywhere near that dreadful period right now. You mentioned the gridlock in the US, the US debt ceiling. Now, even though a government shutdown looks set to be averted for now with the passage of a bill, both parties, of course, still need to agree on suspending the debt ceiling to avoid a government default for real. What's your view on how the markets will move around this source of worry this time round? Well, you know, again, Barati, the, the market has to worry about something. If the market doesn't worry about something, then I am worried because it means that the stock market is mm. uh, far too expensive So, because everybody will just be piling into shares. So I quite like the idea that people are worried about a lot, lot, lot of things out there. But as far as the debt ceiling is, is concerned, it will sort itself, sort itself out. It always does. They, they push everything until the 11th hour, and then all of a sudden, everybody starts to agree because they know that if they don't raise the debt ceiling, then, of course, even though whatever spending plans they have in place, they won't be able to finance those spending plans. Uh, garbage is not going to get collected. Postmen aren't going to be paid. Teachers aren't going to be in schools. And so, therefore, what, whatever happens. I mean, when you have a look at the amount of debt that America has um, accumulated over the years, it is mind-boggling. Mm. I mean, we're talking about over 20 trillion U.S. dollars worth of debt. But then uh, every time the same conversation comes around, they, they twiddle their thumbs for a bit, they shout at each other uh, in the house, and then they sign on the dotted line, and then they raise the debt ceiling again. So hey. I'm not too worried, Barati or Elliot. Yeah. Hey, David, talking about the debt ceiling, right? There's now growing talk about a $1 trillion coin. So basically, the idea here is to mint the coin, and you know the US can print money, and to use yeah. that coin to buy back the bonds. So basically, a bit of a accounting gimmick, so to speak, but it does clear the debt ceiling on, in theory. Is that something feasible? Well, it, well it, it is a nuclear option. It just simply means that if the Republicans don't agree to raise the debt ceiling and things get to an impasse, then, of course, you get Janet Yellen, the Treasury, stepping in and saying, oh, guess what? We're going to be minting a $1 trillion platinum coin to commemorate something. Maybe it could be commemorating Rati coming over to Money FM, or maybe it mm. could be 
my good, book, good. or maybe it could be Chelsea winning the, uh, the Premier League this season, right? I mean, it could, it could be anything like that. So, I mean, they have that, they have that option. But I don't think they will ever do that, Ryan. And I tell you why. Because if they do press that nuclear option, if they do, print, uh, if they do mint that $1 trillion coin, it will mean that the whole world will start to lose confidence in the U.S. dollar. Because it means that whenever there's any problems, they can just go and sort of mint that $1 trillion coin. And who's going to be holding U.S. dollars if that were the case? You want some mm. kind of financial discipline. And by doing that, you take away the financial discipline, which is really quite worrying. So I don't think they'll ever do that. Mm. And you know who needs a trillion dollar coin? China Evergrande. Should they get a bailout or not, David? <laughs> well, I, I, I think we finally agreed that Evergrande is too big to fail. And if Evergrande were to fail... It's not just the property developer that will fail, but of course all the the investors. We're, we're talking about small investors over in uh, China that have bought the the bonds, believing that they are gilt-edged bonds over in China. They're going to suffer. All the suppliers will suffer. It will bring down the entire economy. It could be China's layman moment if Evergrande were to fail. So I think there will be some kind of bailout, but it really depends on how that bailout is going to be structured. We have to remember that Evergrande is a huge conglomerate. It's not just property that it's into. It's into electric, uh, electric vehicles. It's into leisure parks. It's into all sorts of things. So if they go, a lot of China will go. And then whilst we are worrying at the moment about the slowdown in the China economic growth, could take another percentage point, maybe two percentage points of Chinese GDP, which is something I don't think the Communist Party would like to see. So again, 11th hour, something will happen and then Evergrande will be somehow bailed out, but there will be repercussions. There will be deals and, and horse trading going on about how they're going to break up the company. China is indeed dominating the headlines. It has been dominating the headlines for the entire month. There's an energy crisis there as it cuts back on power consumption. How will this really affect growth, also considering the knock-on impact on other companies? It is a manufacturing hub for other big companies as well. Well, yeah, it depends who China wants to look after first. I mean, do they want to ensure that the Chinese people, the households in China get energy, especially as we're coming into the winter period? I mean, they don't want a situation where the power generators are going to be shut off and people are going to freeze. So something will have to be sorted out. But will it also mean that the manufacturing sector will have to suffer because China is going to put the emphasis on protecting its people rather than rather than the manufacturing so all sorts of things are, are going on in china and china has a lot of problems right now i mean this could not have come at a worse time for china but china is determined to try and become a little bit more environmentally friendly a bit more greener and so a, a lot of things will happen but i i think ultimately we'll look after its people first because it's very cognizant of the fact that it needs a common prosperity and so it will look after its people before it looks after manufacturing and i think the manufacturing sector which is already shrinking could probably sort of shrink a little bit more variety mm, you're trying david core he's the co-founder of the smart investor helping us to break down what to look out for in October. Now, David, let's look back at September with the winners and losers. And if you look at the STI, it was down 0.5% for the month. The S&P 500 in comparison was down over 3 
percent and a pretty great month all across most markets. So if we start at the losers column, I've got Young Jijang Shipbuilding down fifteen point nine percent, Comfort Delgo down six point eight percent, Venture Corp down six point two percent. So that gives you a glimpse of what it looks like at the bottom of the table. So if you look at Young Jijang Shipbuilding, is there a reflection of how the global growth worries are starting to creep back in? I don't think so. I don't think it's particularly that. I mean, of course, I mean, that is a worry, Ryan. But I think the other worry is that the share price has raced ahead of earnings. And I think all that's happened there is that a dose of reality is set in and the market is saying that maybe the share price is too too high. The share price growth mm. has exceeded the earnings growth and we're getting a little bit of pullback there. But as far as the company is concerned, it's still a very good company. There will always be demand for that. But it's just that the share price was a bit on the high side. So a bit of correction there is probably warranted. Although whoever is holding shares probably says David is talking a load of rubbish and is not warranted at all. Yeah, and the other stock we've got in the loser column is Comfort Delgro down nearly 7%. And of course, it does reflect what's happening back home, the tightening measures. Yeah, absolutely. It is a tightening measure thing. And if you are restricting the number of people that can go into taxis, then fewer people are going to be traveling around. And I think, you know, people out there are a little bit, little bit concerned about the spread of COVID over here. So fewer people going out, fewer people going to the office means that less demand for taxis, which is probably why Comfortable is down about 7% last month. Yeah, and the last one wrapping up the bottom three is Venture Corp down 6.2%. So there is this supply chain effect playing out the bottleneck. Is this a sector to cut exposure from? Well, I don't think so. I think the bottleneck, well, the, the bottleneck and the supply chain disruptions will sort itself out at the end. It's a bit like when you boil a pan of spaghetti, you know, mm. it, it, it all looks very tangled. And then you just have to try and slowly untangle it or throw it away. <laughs> but I wouldn't throw it away. I would just untangle it, add some oil to it, lubricate it a bit. And then eventually you should be able to sort itself out. So it will take a little while because of the COVID effect. That has caused supply chain disruptions, but eventually it will it will resolve itself. Right. All right. Let's look at the end of the table. At the top, we've got Hong Kong Land up fourteen point three percent for last month. Singtel up six percent, and Sets up two point two percent. David, just wrap things up with Hong Kong Land. What's your take on where it will go from here? Well, I, I don't like blowing my own trumpet. You know that, Ryan. But I have been saying for a long time that Hong Kong Land looked grossly undervalued, and it appears to be not just me, but the management itself reckons that the company was grossly overvalued. So what they've done there is to announce a share buyback. They're going to be gradually buying back the shares and then cancelling those shares, which therefore means that the remaining shares in the market will just carry on going up. So uh, they, 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 they still have a long way to go before they complete the share buyback. I think they hope to do it by the end of this year. So I think there is still room for Hong Kong land to continue to rise. And by the way, I am a Hong Kong land shareholder. All right, we've been speaking with David Kuo, the co-founder of The Smart Investor and soon-to-be author, and then maybe after that, award-winning author as well, right? Well, you know, you never know. No, we, could, we can always dream, can't we, Ryan? Not Ryan, Elliot. We can always no, dream. There, there, there. I, I, I know, it's a bit like Chelsea dreaming to win the title this season, yeah? Which okay. I think we probably will at the moment, based on what I can see. Sweet dreams, David. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.